Bad Matt isn't here, so we could just yell. <laughs> I guess I could try to do, I could try to do impersonations. I don't really have no, any. Don't do it. Okay, are you sure? Because I, I can try. No, I mean, I really don't want you to do it. <laughs> kind of have an idea where it's going to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, when I was on the, I kind uh, of am imagining when you had to do uh, a Japanese accent or the little girl in Titanic. No, no, it just fell apart. <laughs> fell apart real quick, and I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I can't get that voice high. <laughs> Although I thought it was funny, I was on. Uh, I, I got uh, asked to uh, guest star on the Dork Night podcast. That's Dork Night podcast. At wow. Dot com. Um, Those guys are huge. Yeah, yeah, oh, massive. I could guy. no. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it is one guy, but he is he, he he's crushing it in the podcast scene. Nice. Um, at least that's what he led me to believe. Uh, <laughs> I made some joke. Uh, we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, I made uh, one of the guys was talking about the Soul Gem, and I made the joke that every time he mentioned Soul Gem, I wanted to do my Don Cornelius impersonation for Soul Train, uh, <laughs> to which they all just stopped and expected me to do it. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, dang it! I shouldn't have said. <laughs> I shouldn't have said a thing. I was like, ah, crap. I thought it would be like, ah, funny Don Cornelius. Most people don't know who he is. <laughs> nice, good <laughs> reference. And then like, uh, do it. They're like, yeah, totally do it. And I'm like, I crap. <laughs> It's not Don Cornelius isn't hard to impersonate. Just talk really low <laughs> and quietly. That's all you got to do. So, hey everybody, welcome to Enter the Critic, a podcast. Each week we talk about movies, both new and on Netflix. However, 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 <laughs> this the uh, next couple weeks uh, are frankly pretty terrible for films. Yeah. Um, and believe it or not, me, Matt, and Parker have lives outside. Well, Matt and Parker have <laughs> lives outside of movies, and we looked at our schedules and went, "Hey, we're really busy." <laughs> so we are going to do a uh, kind of just talking about uh, some top ten lists, some top five lists, basically yeah, just let, about let's our not, Let's not pretend like we came up with this stuff. We all know you idiots love these. Lists. lists. Everything's oh, yeah. lists. Crack, crack.com is alive because Buzzfeed, of the top 10 lists. Buzzfeed and Cracked. And, okay, yeah. We're, we're, fine. You want a list? We'll give you a list. Here's 10 movies That's that right. I can name. <laughs> <laughs> Just reading them off of your <laughs> DVD and Blu ray right, collection that are several feet away I from see you. First. <laughs> That's right. I see Bruno, Cool, Babel. Uh, all the Oceans movies. Done. Name yes, six of them. There. Done. <laughs> Moving on. Harry Potter, the whole series. That's seven. That's eight. Yeah, what they else do you want? Split it into two. What do you want from up <laughs> No. So, um, this week, we're going to be talking about something that is very near and dear to my movie-loving heart, I'm going to be doing my top ten favorite horror films. Whoa! You were able to narrow it to ten? It took some doing. Interesting. It really, that, that's really quite, took that's some quite a doing. Feat. That's quite a feat. You have no idea how difficult it was to take, come up with a list, narrow it down to ten, and then not have my wife leave me because I kept going, Sweetie, do you think I should include this film? Because it's really a staple. Like, I don't care! <laughs> I 
I've never seen Stop these movies. Stop waking me up. <laughs> I'm trying to get some sleep. <laughs> it's three in the morning. You have to be at work in two hours. What are you still doing up? <laughs> Writing down horror movie titles. <laughs> so... We're just going to, this list that I have here, because I could only narrow it down to 10, there is no way that I could narrow it down into a consecutive 10 of like, this is my 10th, this is my 9th. There's no order. Yeah, this is no order. Literally no order. (laughs) Don't don't get upset when he says his 10th movie is like, whatever, and you're like, that's like the best movie. Like, it's no order. There's no way I could get it into The 10th movie could be his favorite, but we don't have time or energy or resources to put them in an order. It, it, it would be like asking my parents to name a favorite child. They could do it, but they, they choose not to. got to give you a hint. It's not me. <laughs> I waste my time doing this. So, all right, here we go. My top ten horror films in no particular order. And we're going to go into some of the details of them. Um, this is the theme song for the horror movie. Thing. Oh, okay. The, the Halloween thing. I was about to say. Well, let's jump right into that. <laughs> I, well, hey, you saved me from trying to find something on YouTube. All right, well, the first one I'm going to mention here, uh, of course, the John Carpenter classic, Halloween. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. It's amazing. Uh, it was one of the earlier horror films that I got into as a kid. Um what makes this movie so good is it is because it's so low budget. They didn't have any money for like music <laughs> or cues or anything like that. So Michael Myers, the 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 killer in in the movie, just shows up. There's no musical sting. There's no like hint. He's just there, and it's great because he's like in the background where the characters are walking around talking. He's in, he's in the background walking around, um, just like following them. Yeah, or just like standing there, <laughs> staring at them. It's it's wonderful. Um, the other nice thing but that like, probably makes it scary. Oh, it makes it horrifying, right? Like the, the without the musical cues, then it's just like, oh god, that's just like a scary it, dude. Yeah, this is really <laughs> creepy. And the other thing that's really great about him is he has like his motivation is very minimum. Um, so he's really hard to understand. A lot of times in horror films, they they try to really get apart. Like, okay, we have to understand why the killer right, is doing right. this. In in Halloween, there's really no motivation. There's he's no just him drowning in the lake when the the camp the campers right. were not paying attention. Right. Or... Yeah. None of that. No, no. He's not out for revenge. Right, he's right. not out to right some kind of wrong. You're you're not asked to feel sympathetic for him. <laughs> that's um, that's surprising. Yeah, he's just he's just he's just crazy, and and like nobody seems to know why. <laughs> wow. um, the movie also has Donald Pleasance in it, and uh, he's he's a great like just B movie actor. Uh, he's been in a lot of different stuff, um, and he's great in this simply because he's he's also kind of crazy, but he's <laughs> like he's just crazy obsessed. Like he right. he plays he plays the his uh, Michael Myers uh, uh, doctor the the psychiatrist who is like fighting so desperately to keep him locked down in uh, psychiatric care, um, and then he goes on this uh, uh, like mission to go get him where everybody else is like you're crazy he's not here <laughs> we haven't seen him. like the cops don't care right. nobody cares he's the only one and he's just obsessed with stopping him um, and he's not and he but again he never really explains why. And it's just it's just wonderful. <laughs> um, it's just a great low budget horror film. It's exactly the way low budget horror should be done. Nice. Um, 
The ninth one on there, another John Carpenter film. Uh, and again, this is th- this film is like almost the exact opposite of Halloween, The Thing. Yes, that's uh, that's a favorite of mine as well. Yeah, absolutely. Came out in 1982. I, th- I think it's 82. Maybe it's 84. Uh, it came out the same year E.T. came out. <laughs> um, which is which is great because E.T. I did not know that. Yes, awesome. it came out the same summer yeah, that E.T. 82. God, what a year for movies, 82. Yeah, was. really. Yeah, Thing, E.T., Star Trek II. Uh, I'm trying to think what else came out in 82. Look, so many good things came out in 82. So you have E.T., which is like, you know, happy. It's not really scary except for kind of the beginning of the movie where he has the kind of monster vision type thing. Um, bl- this is this is the summer of '82. Blade Runner, Conan the Barbarian, E.T., Fast Times at Ridgemont High, An Officer and a Gentleman, Poltergeist, The Road Warrior, Rocky Three, Star Trek Two, The Thing, Tron. Just like that's a that, ridiculous. That is a summer. ridiculous lineup for a summer movie season. That's insane. <laughs> I would have gone nuts in '82 if I wasn't uh, two years from being born. <laughs> I was two years old. Okay. <laughs> so the thing, co- contrast, like, you know, you walk out of E.T., you're like, you have a <laughs> swell of heart. You know, you just feel great. Yes, and it's, oh, all, it's, oh, it's so. such a feelings movie. Like, you know, here's E.T., and he changed this little boy's life, and it's wonderful. And then you go into the thing, and it's just the most gruesome. Yeah. Um, over-the-top special effects, like practical special effects. Yep. Um, if you've not seen the thing, it is based off of the 1930s Howard Hawks film, The Thing from Another Planet, um, where there is a group of men uh, who work for the government, and they are on uh, the continent of Antarctica, and a spaceship lands. And they find out this creature can mimic other creatures and so they instantly it becomes like a and then there were none thing of him just picking off and trying to figure out who it is the ending is so dark yeah and so like nihilist and just just (laughs) just so cynical and angry you're like that's the end yeah (laughs) that's them technically winning right right (laughs) wow it is and uh it stars kurt kurt russell yeah a very very bearded yeah. <laughs> Kurt Russell. Yeah, you're 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 to, to relate to an angry alcoholic. Like the first right. thing you see him do is just like downing a bottle of scotch and playing chess with a computer, losing and then dumping the scotch all over the computer to destroy it. Like that's that's the guy you're to relate to. Um and it has just this amazing cast of of great actors, a lot of great character actors um from the, you know, early and mid 80s. Um, Wilfred Brimley is in it, looking really weird without a mustache. I'll tell you that right wow, now. Wow, yeah, he, that's right. He doesn't have a yeah, mustache. Yeah, no mustache in that. Um, And it's just some of the most gruesome scenes of yeah. just craziness going on. I showed it to Melissa one time, and <laughs> in the middle of the famous dog scene, yep. she just sat there and she's, what am I watching? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it kind of goes on and on and on. Yes, it does. Especially when you think you figured out what the hell's happening, and then it just keeps going. (laughs) You're like, what? So the the I I loved it. uh, You know, from the you know, I'm a huge Lovecraft fan, and that was kind of like the first movie that kind of had those elements i mean it, it clearly they 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 go beyond because it's over the top right you know once the effects start 
you know, coming in that it that it, it kind of walks away from the Lovecraft camp. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but anything said in Antarctica is immediately terrifying to me. Yes, because of H.P. Lovecraft. Like, absolutely. As soon as absolutely. there's a lot of snow, I'm like, oh shit, everybody's dead. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm getting a real at the mountains of madness kind yeah. of vibe from this. All right, next next on my list, uh, Night of the Living Dead. The George Romero classic. This movie came out in 1968. Uh, it was George Romero's first film, and it created such a huge wave. It, it, originally, it was just a low-budget black-and-white film. They had no idea that it was going to go anywhere or be anything. Um, oddly enough, Romero didn't even want to do horror at the time, he just wanted to make a movie, and him and his buddies got together and said, well, we don't know anyone who owns a horse, so a western's out. Uh, I guess we'll just uh, make a horror film. So a bunch of them got together in Pittsburgh and started uh, making this movie. The shockwave that this film created was huge, uh, not just in horror, but also political, like politics in movies, because the main character uh, is black. And you didn't have that back in 1968. Oddly enough, all of it was just a happy accident, like of it getting popular and it like being all this political stuff. The 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 main character, I forget the gentleman's name. He was hired because he was the best actor they they had. They didn't care that he was you know his his uh, uh you know that whether he was white or black. They just were like, hey, he's the best one. He reads the lines the best. Dwayne Jones. Yes. Um, so we'll just put him on there, you know, no problem. So the end of the movie, I'm not, I don't want to give the way of the ending, but the ending has a lot of like, just because of his race and what was going on in, in race relations back in the sixties has a lot of weird ramifications that they didn't plan for. Um, <laughs> like when it, when it first came out, people were like, this is going to start race riots. This is going to get people furious, you know, right. like. In, 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 in at the one scene, he strikes uh, uh, a white woman in the face. And again, in 68, that would have been a huge, prop, huge problem. Um, and again, all of this was just accident. And that's what perpetuated this film into the popularity that it's become. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so it's I it's, mean, it's cra- I mean, like it. You know, I mean, from a especially because we are, I mean, we're in the tail end of it, but that that you know this zombie, you know, wave that we had. I mean, this is the beginning. Like, this, right? Yeah, this is like, the very you, beginning of you it. You can't point to anything else. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's it's just another great example of low budget filmmaking. It almost entirely takes place inside one house, uh, almost entirely inside one room, um, and. For 1968, it, it broke a lot of barriers that you didn't break. Um, you didn't have dead children in horror movies. This one did. Uh, you didn't have cannibalism. This one does. <laughs> uh, and it's just it's so well done and just amazing. Uh, next on my list, kind of jumping around here to one that is just a, a, a little strange for my list here. The Exorcist 3. The third one? The third one. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen the third oh, one. It, then you need to. Um, everybody knows The Exorcist is uh, an, an amazing film. It was huge when it came out. Um, but a lot of people don't consider it really horror. 
Uh, especially like at the time, they they tried to to market it as a spiritual drama. They wanted because again, horror back then was very like that was box office death. You didn't want to call a movie a horror film. So the first one comes out, makes stupid amounts of money, and is huge and very popular. Uh, has become a part of the cultural like you play the song Tubular yeah. Bells, and everybody instantly knows what movie that's from. Yeah. Um, the second one come they 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 jumped on it right away, made the second one, and it was terrible. <laughs> it is one of the most atrocious films like ever made. Perfect example of oh my gosh, we got to get a sequel, make more money. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it's awful. It is so. It's probably James Earl Jones' worst film. Probably be, yeah, by far in my opinion. Um, it's so bad, and it doesn't make any sense. So the writer. Of and I forget the writer's name. I want to say it's William. Is it William Peter Blatty, or is that the guy who wrote Jaws? <laughs> anyway, the writer of The Exorcist, who wrote the book The Exorcist, he was a producer on the first movie and became very good friends with William Friedkin, the director. After they made uh, The Exorcist Two: The Heretic and it bombed and did terrible, he sat down and he wrote a book that was supposed to be a sequel to The Exorcist called legion um after it was made uh they wanted to make a movie about it and he said fine i will make this movie if i can be the director and they said fine so it is actually the writer of the book directing the movie yeah so i'm seeing william this william peter blatty guy yeah okay is it william novel screenplay director (laughs) he had complete control over it he gets george c scott <laughs> I, I to play the that. role, the, I just the, saw that the pop lead up. role. I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, it also has uh, oh, what's the name? Brad Brad Dourif. Yep, Brad Dourif, who is playing the same character Brad Dourif always plays. <laughs> um, you know, just a crazy guy. <laughs> this movie is very scary, but it, it, it's just so unique because it's also hilarious. And of course, you have George C. Scott, who is a a constant professional. When it comes to acting, right. he gives a monologue in The Exorcist 3 that is as good as his monologue in Patton or The Hospital. Wow. It's just it's just nuts how well he acts in this film. Right. In, 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 a, th- in a three. Like yeah. In, a in, in, in the three. third established uh, <laughs> of a horror genre, of a horror franchise. Oh, he brings it. Also, Herschel's in the movie from Walking Dead. Scott Wilson. Oh, okay. The player plays, plays Herschel. Anyway, this is some no, that's, that's that's good. That's cool. Wow. So his so he's like really he brings it. he brings it entirely. <laughs> um, like for what reason? Like in, that's why he's a professional. But you're like for what reason? Like, yeah, he could because easily I'm acting. Yeah, like that's why. <laughs> like okay. Yeah, he could easily just be like, well, this is a paycheck film. It's not going to go anywhere. Now I will I will couch this with a small kind of warning here. The Exorcist 3 is brilliant, it's amazing, it's wonderful if you ignore the one scene that is clearly tacked on by the studio, which is the actual exorcism. Oh, no. Originally, uh, Blatty did not want to do, he didn't want to call it Exorcist 3, he wanted to call it Legion, and just leave it at that. It, 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 it is the some of the characters from The Exorcist, but only two of them, and they almost Really, they don't really bring it up very often um, that they went through the exorcist. So there isn't in the book there is no exorcism, like wow. none at all. Yeah, 
uh, it still has to do with like demons and possession and stuff like that. But there is no exorcism. And he told the the studio that, and they said, "Well, we'll figure it out later." And then when the daily started coming in, they said, "When are you getting to the exorcism?" He said, "Well, there is no exorcism." So they made him tack on a subplot of an exorcism. Ah, so it makes no sense. Just a priest randomly shows up at a at a prison and tries oh, to like, perform an so, exorcism. And now it's a different a different person involved in whatever. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> just huh. Wait, what? Yeah, he, he shows up and tries to exercise Brad, you know, uh, the, wow. the demon in Brad Dorif. And it makes no sense because then George C. Scott shows up and does like, well, I'm just going to monologue this demon out. <laughs> and it, but it's 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 really good. It's really it, like I said, it's funny. Um, like George C. Scott's actually quite funny in it. But then like you'll have a really funny moment and you'll be like, huh, that's really funny. And then something insane will happen. You're like, oh, I forgot <laughs> I'm watching a horror film. Um. <laughs> yeah, there awesome. are a lot of creepy moments in it. All right, moving on. Yeah, the that Legion thing is awesome, though. Just as a side thing, because that's when uh, in the Bible when yes. Jesus casts out the thing, and then he's like, he casts out the demon, and then he says, "What is your name?" And he says, "My name is Legion, for we, for are, we are many." That's awesome. That's quoted in the movie. That's awesome. Um, that's, that's super horror movie. That's got yeah. horror movie written all over it. All right, my next film. I forget what I'm on now. What am I on? Four. Whatever. There's ton of <laughs> no, I think yeah, I, I think you I think that was like Yeah, that was number four. S- oh, that was four, right? Yeah, it was right. four. Yeah. Or seven. However yeah, you whichever, want to do however, however we're doing this. Gotcha. Alright, the next movie I want to talk about Suspiria. Uh Suspiria is an example of an Italian Giallo film, which is which was huge in Italy and not many of them came over to America. But this is one that did come over to America. It is a very stylized 70s horror film uh, where the main character is a woman, which was a staple in Jalo films, uh, where she is a ballerina or you know, just a dancer going to this uh, school to learn, um, you know, more, you know, to, to, to further herself in dancing and discovers this like bizarre cult. And if you've seen, the reason I put it on this list, if you've seen House of the Devil, which we've talked about before, House of the Devil would not be a film without Suspiria. Gotcha. Like this movie, at first I was like, this feels like House of the Devil. And then I looked at when it, when it came out, I'm like, oh, this came out in the 70s. Right. Like when you when I first watched House of the Devil and you posted about it and I was like, I like found it online and started watching it. And I was immediately like, oh, so this is an old movie that Chris is like talking to us about and then right. i like went on imdb and it's like you know whatever it was 2000 something and i was like wait what yeah exactly like so confused the the main character of suspiria looks exactly like they like they, they made <laughs> the woman up to look exactly like her it's really really uncanny um it's very creepy uh it has some amazing music uh the music is brilliant um i'm really upset that i didn't get into this movie sooner um, actually, our buddy Seth brought it over one night not too long ago. And he's like, hey, have you ever seen Suspiria? No, never saw it. Well, we're going to watch it. Um, and normally when Seth brings me a movie, it's he's just trying to disturb me. He brought, The last time he did that, it was uh, um, Antichrist. Antichrist. I was going to say, I was going to guess that's what it was. And uh, I was like, why did you bring this into my home? <laughs> why, why have you done this? Yeah. And why did you think this would go good with pizza and beer? Uh, 
Like, what the hell? <laughs> so if you can find Suspiria, it's it's not hard to get your hands on, but it, I mean it's a little difficult. You have to do some digging. It is so worth it. Um, it is in just incredibly uh, well made. Uh, next on my list, The Shining. Whoa! Isn't that number one? No. Oh, we're already at number one because no, this is your number one. No. No. Oh wait, they're not in order. They're not uh, in order. Yeah. Don't get mad, people. Uh, this is the classic uh, Jack Nicholson uh, horror film directed by Stanley Cooper. It, or Stanley. Kubrick. <laughs> Stanley Cooper. <laughs> that <God>. was... <laughs> Who's Stanley Cooper? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to look him up. <laughs> I hope it's somebody awesome. I hope so, too. Uh, nobody. Nobody. All right. Oh, yeah, no. Okay. Oh, oh! It's uh, it's that hybrid of uh, Stanley Tucci and Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> that that perfect that... <laughs> hybrid that geneticists need to get on and just make him. Oh, that'd be great! Like, well, we need incredible acting ability, uh, charm, and handsomeness. Well, <laughs> we're gonna make Stanley Cooper. This movie is just the perfect slow burn horror film. That is so creepy even the parts that aren't technically scary are really just like off-putting and 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 terrifying stanley kubrick knew exactly what he was doing when he made this film it is so wonderfully shot the color palette is so perfect um and just every single like you know camera placement angle everything is wonderful and then of course you have that with jack nicholson just chewing the scenery (laughs) just going berserk um, and you you have Shelley Duvall, just I don't know why she's there, but she works. Um, I watched this movie when I was 16 years old. A buddy of mine lent it to me on VHS, and he said you have to watch it tonight. And I said it's like a school night, man. Right? Um, <laughs> you didn't say that. No. Well, you gotta understand. You understand. Hey, I gotta go to school tomorrow. He uh he he gave it to me. He gave it to me at midnight, and I had to be up for school. He's like, you gotta watch it tonight. I'm like, um. Okay, it's already midnight, dude. Fine, I'll I watch still, it tonight. I still feel like you as a kid do not even consider like school as a as a thing that you're like, oh, I got to prepare for that. No, like, but I definitely didn't want to fall asleep. I was, God, there you, you know, go. <laughs> so sense. so I watch, I, but of course I watch it, and I watch it alone. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's just school night. But then I did it. <laughs> um, I watched it alone in the dark. At my, in, you know, I was living with my parents, of course. Uh, in their basement, and my parents' basement is not, like, f- nice. Well, it's nice, but it's not finished. <laughs> um, so it's super creepy, and I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, I've never seen a horror film like this. Is in- this is nuts. This is so scary and terrifying. Um, and then the movie ends, and I'm in complete blackness in their basement, um, and I have oh, to gosh. navigate... <laughs> To get to the the light switch, which is at the top of the stairs. What? So I am Why trying didn't to you na- prepare. I I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't. I was even dumber back then than I am now. <laughs> so I'm navigating through my parents' basement, trying to get to the stairwell. And my dad is a train enthusiast. And I don't understand why he. he I, I hate him for this. I don't understand why he had this set up the way he did. He had one of those train light like the the track lights that are to warn whether a track is available or not so they have a green and a red right he had the red and it was on a timer oh god it it 
Oh my right God. as I'm like trying to navigate, I'm just starting to freak out because I'm in total blackness. The whole room is bathed in blood red light. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck this. I hit the top <laughs> stair, I hit the last stair, and I hit nothing in between. And then it occurred to me, my bedroom is at the end of a long hallway. Now you're and I'm like, like it's just like I'm, obstacle after yeah, obstacle. Yeah, I'm like, go, if God. you've seen The Shining, you know exactly why you don't yeah. want to turn it around the hall. Nope. And so I'm just like, I I guess I'm sleeping in the living room. I don't know what else <laughs> to do. It was so terrifying. Um, now, I have shown this to some people who did not think it was scary. They're wrong. If That's you ridiculous. Like, I mean, I get, like, here's the thing. Like, The Shining, though, is a movie that, it's the type of horror, scary, whatever, that you have to like. You gotta, you know, gotta like think about, not think about, but like you gotta like give a little bit. Like yeah, you gotta like try. It's not like you know, you don't have to try hard. It's not like it's like you're really like you know, you really have to make the movie better in some way. But it's like you could definitely, I can see that you can watch it, not half paying attention. And it would be ruined. Oh, absolutely. If you like, watch this with another person. Yeah. Or something during like, the day. Yeah. And you're like kind of like, well, I'm, I'm fiddling on my phone. Right. And right. I'm looking. No. This. Turn your phone off. Right. Put it somewhere else. Yeah. Be by yourself. Yeah. Set the mood. It's right. very much that. Like the movie does fall apart if you don't. If right. you don't. If you don't put forth the effort of setting the mood correctly. Right. Right. And it's, I mean, it's not like you have to go crazy. It's just like, no. just pay attention. Yeah. And then you will immediately be like, oh, God, this is crazy. Yeah. All, all you have to do is give it your attention, like right. we used to do with films. <laughs> um, and then, you know, this isn't like Paranormal Activity, where half the film you can just not pay attention because they're talking. And they're like, oh, it's quiet. Turn off my phone. Pay attention. Ooh, creepy. All right. No, but no, this is yeah. actually like right. you have to pay attention. Yep. So. Uh, next on my list is a movie that you don't have to pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> that's e- nice. Evil Dead 2. There you go. Now that's a good, that, that's the perfect b- bookend for that because like, you're like, okay, here's the other side of that. Yep. Coin. Here's the other side of that. <laughs> Evil Dead 2. There's no subtlety. There's no nuance. There's just a lot of crazy shit happening. <laughs> Evil Dead 2 starring Bruce Campbell directed by Sam Raimi. In 1984, I believe. Um, maybe it was 86. Uh, this movie's nuts. Absolutely <laughs> nuts. Don't go see Evil Dead. I mean, you'd go see Evil Dead if you want. It's good. I like Evil Dead. I have it on Blu-ray. Um, but you do not need to see the first Evil Dead to appreciate Evil Dead 2. Because it won't make any more sense. Um because like it doesn't <laughs> there are some people that actually have uh uh thought about this film and really got like dug into it and they're like why does why does ash go back to the cabin after evil dead one maybe it's a remake they've actually uh interviewed sam raimi about this who is a very funny sadistic kind of guy and they said uh, sam why did he go back and he says oh he forgot <laughs> he just forgot what happened in the evil best. dead one the best um Evil Dead 2 is uh, about a, a guy going to a cabin, his girlfriend is killed, and he finds a book called the Necronomicon. Somebody reads from the book, and spirits start possessing people, dead come back to life, blah, blah, blah. It's nuts. There is a scene, very famous scene, where his hand becomes possessed 
Why? We don't know. We don't need to know. Because he chops it off with a chainsaw and then attaches that chainsaw to his stump as a weapon. It's so, perfect. It's, so amazing. it's perfect. Um, it is very creepy. It's also very silly. Um, and just some of the shots. Perfect example. One of the shots that they because they, they were trying to figure out how do we do this? We are we have no money. We are right. on incredibly low budget. Um, we need to do this scene where the camera is just running around. Um, well, why don't we just put the camera on front of a motorcycle, <laughs> on front of the dirt bike, and we'll just do it that way. Oh, okay. Can we do that? Sure. Why not? Like, <laughs> so that's the, the camera's running around. That's, he's on a motorcycle. Um, they created that. It was it's the really first. Good. I didn't know that. <laughs> it was the first time in movie history they created something called the Ram Cam, where they put the camera in a box on a stick so they could shove it through windows <laughs> and not break film. <laughs> so they're just, someone's sitting there brushing their hair. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Ram cam. Uh, it's, it's, it's so wonderful. It's, it's very well done. Uh, again, it's low budget, so the effects are pretty terrible. <laughs> but watching, watching actors try to do stuff where they, they can't see anything because they have contact lenses in because they make their eyes all white, or they're doing shots that are in reverse and stuff like that. It's just it's so good. It's so yeah. well made. Yeah. Um, next on my list, Friday the 13th. Mm. The first one. The, the, Part the original. seven. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> I think that might be part eight, actually. <laughs> yeah, I forget which one it is. That's that's the, the worst oh one. If gosh. I was going to do a worse horror <laughs> film, that would be that oh one. Oh my gosh! The first, the first Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, again, showing how horror was not taken seriously back in the day, and it should have been. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth was made as a uh, investment film. There were two filmmakers who wanted to make a drama, like a serious drama piece, but they didn't have enough money. They only had enough money to make a horror film because horror was way cheaper. So they said, okay, we're going to make this stupid horror film and it hopefully will like either double or triple our investment and then we can make this serious drama. Gotcha. Instead, it turned into a franchise that right. I think is up to 12 films. Yep. Um... And they're making another one. They're rebooting it. Are now. they really? Yeah, they, they're rebooting it. They're Again? Rebooting it. Yeah, another hard reboot. Oh, my um, gosh. But the original one is so creepy. It is a slasher film. It, 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 it is not a uh, mood piece where you have to set you know, the mood or like, uh, <laughs> un, un, again, unlike <laughs> right. The Shining. Unlike The Shining. This is a kill every like 20, mi like 15 minutes, I think. Um, a lot of very interesting deaths. Kevin Bacon gets an arrow shoved through his throat uh, post-coital. Uh, <laughs> and this movie helps set a lot of the horror movie stereotypes and tropes that we've come to know and love. Um, the good girl you know, makes it. The slutty girl dies. The teenager who smokes pot dies, usually in an hilarious way. Right. Um, <laughs> what is shocking is this movie started the career, the, you know, the, the character of Jason Voorhees. Um, he's not in it. What? What? Of course Spo he is. Spoiler alert. But again, it came out in like the 70s. Deal with it, people. <laughs> um, he's not. He's not even in it. That he's is. not the killer. Yeah. Um, 
I won't tell you who the killer is. Oh, but nice. You, but you've you, you probably should. already figured you it should. out because it it's part of our cultural heritage. <laughs> um, but yeah, this movie, this movie just kind of started that franchise. Like, it's just like it helps set that standard of like crazy stuff happening, people dying all like just constantly dropping off. Um, and and it's just it's really well made. I I really enjoy it. Uh, and I needed to put it on there because we spent so much time talking about Nightmare on Elm Street that I left it off of this list. That's true. Uh, that I had to have, well, what what's the perfect companion piece to Nightmare on Elm Street well, yeah, Friday of course. the 13th? Right, yep. uh, so just a, a, you know, a tiny bit of news uh, from earlier this year. Um, the original director, the original film's director, Sean S. Cunningham, will be serving as executive producer for a hour-long dramatic series based on the characters and setting of Friday the 13th. Really? Yeah. Huh. So that I could have, go well. Yeah, I have no idea like if it's just going to be Jason or if it's going to be like a bunch of stuff or if what, but it's apparently the setting, the the like it would be interesting to have a like a like a teen drama Set at a yes. camp, and then and then uh, and then also out of nowhere, there's Jason once in a while. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Like it's just like I don't know, Tommy. He he said he wanted to go with me to the dance, and then and then he just didn't show up. And oh god! And they find they find him hanging there, and then they you know, oh that would be great. Yeah. All right. Well. Oh, I guess it's going to be like like the like the town and the camp. So the town of Crystal Lake. Oh, and that town camp. is creepy as yeah, hell too cuz you yeah. kind of feel that everybody right. knows right. what's going on, but right. they it's that te- that like the like the idea of the small town America having this dirty right. secret that they don't nobody talks about this. Yep. And then the, these kids get busted in from wherever <laughs> to yeah. go to camp. Yeah. It's like, "Oh god." Oh, that's oh, that's so yeah, I actually really cool. dig that. Yeah, so, so we'll see. Uh next on my list, Hellraiser Ah yes, the, Hellraiser, the, the first ni- one. Yes, the, 19- the first one again. This, again, even Ugh. more so than than Friday the Thirteenth. So you many need Hellraisers. to know that this is the first one. The absolute first one. They immediately like that's a drop off. That's oh, a hard instantly, <laughs> instantly. I set forth because I'm stupid. I continually do this. <laughs> I and I never learn. I no, always you know. go, oh, I like the first one. There's 15 more. I'm going to watch all of them. <laughs> I did it with Nightmare on Elm Street, and it had, you know, there, like we said, there are some really good ones and some really bad ones. I did it with all of the Friday the 13th. Again, you know, the second one is good. Third one is, uh, you know, even better. And then, like, then they start to draw, drop off. Hellraiser, the first one is an experience. And yeah. then Hellraiser 2 is awful, and then they get worse from there. Right. <laughs> But this is the very first one uh, written and directed by Clive Barker. Yes, Clive. Yes, who is a very sadistic individual. Um, Hellraiser is about, it's really hard to even explain it. Uh, It is about a man who discovers a box. Like, he's like this world traveler, and he's just out for adventure and to, like, just experience anything he can Um, at any price. He doesn't care. He's... You know, kind of an asshole. Um, yeah, he is. And at the beginning of the movie, he he acquires a box, and then it cuts to this 
husband and wife, completely different people, who uh, are moving back into the husband's uh, old, uh, like, childhood home. Right. Uh, the husband is played by Andrew Robinson, who was in stuff like um, a Dirty Harry, uh, Deep Space Nine. Uh, <laughs> he's been Quietly. in a lot of different stuff. Um, and you slowly learn that this guy, Larry, his brother, Frank, is the one who you saw in the beginning of the movie. Um, uh, Larry's wife, Julia, who you kind of get the feeling is not happy about this move. She doesn't really like being around. She keeps having flashbacks to Frank, and here they had an affair oh. on their wedding night, oh. which is weird. Oh, um, so... Uh, Larry, or I can't. One of them gets cut, and a small drop of blood falls on the floor of this weird abandoned room. And all of a sudden, from the floor, God. For, like this weird body emerges. Yeah, and yeah, that scene is awesome oh, too. So like good. that that effect is just so like one of the best practical effects from back in the day. Yeah, like, when they would do that, it was so neat. I think the whole thing was, and I again, this is just something that like nowadays we would just make it digitally. Right. Yeah. Back then, I think what they did was they showed like they made, uh, they they took a, a, a bone and then they wrapped it in some kind of weird, uh, like meat product yeah. and then just set it out with a camera and let it rot. Right. And then played it sped up in reverse. Yep. To let it build back up, I'm like, that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That somebody would do, like, yeah, we're going to let that rot on camera and then speed it back up. Um, and then you learn that Frank was killed, and he needs to come back. Yeah. But he needs blood. Right. He needs bodies. And so she goes and starts killing him off. And everything's fine, well, and all well and good until Larry's daughter finds the box. It opens it up. And then that's when the centibites come out and then you learn where frank's been right. and he's been in this weird crazy psycho <laughs> s&m torture dungeon with Which these crazy aliens from another dimension yeah it's like supposed to be like sort of like a like a supernatural hell yes like, but but no extraterrestrial hell right it's crazy. right crazy it's crazy um and that's when pinhead shows up yep. he was never called pinhead none of the cenobites right. have names in the first one as right. west as as they shouldn't right yeah absolutely um and it just has such amazing lines and just so creepy my one favorite line is uh when when uh, the one girl the daughter um is 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 I think it's Kristen, or maybe I got the mother and daughter backwards. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the The daughter is crying, uh, and and and, uh, and Christy is the daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, Pinhead just looks at her and just says, "No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering." <laughs> it's it, like the it, this movie is not for the weak of stomach. No. I'm going to tell you that right now. It is yeah. brutal. Yep. Um. It is it is the most creepy use of a uh, line from the Bible I've ever seen. Yeah. Where at the one part Frank is like, like where he was wearing the skin of another man, like strapped to this weird apparatus, getting all these hooks ripped into him, and he looks right at the one girl, and his face is being torn apart, and he just says, "And Jesus wept," and then is literally just eviscerated. <laughs> just. Just the most brutal film. For yeah, sure. it is. It is incredibly brutal, but it's really good. Yeah. Um, if you're down with that, and again, like this is not 
I don't get into stuff like torture porn or right. really like I, I don't like the the super super gory stuff. And this is very gory, but it also has quick moments of gore and then the rest is just right. these weird character driven stories that you're like what yeah. is going on yeah um what was that box and why is it there and it- yeah there's a like this is one of those movies where they where it's like a lot of stuff happens none of it is explained yeah almost none of it is explained but it doesn't need to because your right. imagination is so much better yep. than what they could bring to the table Absolutely. eventually in the franchise they try to explain it and it's stupid they try to give right. Pinhead that's, that's a, why, a, yeah, that's why like a backstory. Apart. Yep. Oh, and it all falls apart at that point. It's just much better when it's again very Lovecraftian. Where here's here's all this craziness has something that's way bigger than than even like extra you know extraterrestrial, extra dimensional. None of it is explained, and it's all left to you to figure it out. So, yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> now the last on my list. Is probably I, I saved this for last because it's probably Ooh. my favorite horror film. Okay, so none of them are ranked, but this one is ranked. Get over yourself. Yeah, this one's probably just one of my favorite horror films of all time. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ah, yes. The 2003. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the soon to be rebooted yep. yet another time, probably. Uh, I don't know how many times I've I've had to help Chris uh, move like that statue around. Like I, you know, I've helped yep. him move from one apartment to the house, but I feel like I've also moved it like around. Yeah, <laughs> but Chris yeah. has this. What is it like? Like three it, feet tall? No, feet. not three <laughs> feet tall. I wish it was three <laughs> feet tall. It's like a foot and a half. Oh, oh! If you extend the chainsaw, it's probably two feet. <laughs> So it's a two feet tall Leatherface statue. <laughs> yep, that was purchased to me as a as a uh, uh, go. I think it was a going away present or yeah. something like well, that. Jeremy, somebody who knew you very Jeremy well. Sayer bought it for me. <laughs> I still have it. I love it. Um, no, I'm talking, of course, about the 1974 classic directed by Toby Hooper, starring nobody. <laughs> Sorry, starring nobody except Gunnar Hansen, right? Who well, plays Leatherface at the time? Still, was nobody. No, oh yeah, but nobody. now is. That guy. It's still Gunner Those giant people. <laughs> yeah, still Gunner Hansen. Um, this movie, how this movie was made is nuts. So Toby Hooper, the director, wanted to make a horror film. Um, again, he was not obsessed with horror. He just wanted to make a movie. And if you read the book Shock Value, which is an incredible book about 70s horror, I completely recommend it to anyone who's interested in uh, movie history, especially horror movie history. They go into it in greater detail, but this film was financed by the mob. Um, the money was probably used in some kind of weird, like diamond deal, like stolen diamond deal <laughs> before this, um, because that they actually watched Toby Hooper actually watched the exchange, wow, <laughs> and then they gave him cash um, to get it made in Texas. They had to schmooze the governor and the governor would only let it happen if he let his if toby hooper let his uh mistress be the main star my god so that's why she's in it that is insane um and this movie 
Seth, our buddy Seth has gone on saying he loves watching this movie with me because for some reason I go into fan commentary mode when I watch this movie with people. Normally I get furious when people talk during films, and I will not say a word during movies. I get so pissed. Texas, if they've either seen it before or they want to hear me just go off on it, I go into this weird commentator mode where I just start talking about the movie and everything I know about it, and it's extensive. Um, <laughs> and and I I just I really get into it. This was one of the earliest horror films where I just I wanted like the moment I saw it, I'm like I want to know everything about this film, um, simply because it is very bizarre in how it was made and what is shown on screen for a film that is. You know, involves the word chainsaw massacre. <laughs> you'd think. You'd think it would just be a splatter fest of just nonstop gratuitous violence. There is almost, there is, in fact, there is no gore in this movie. No, like, intestines or, or muscle or someone getting their eye, you know, you know, plucked out or anything like that. None of, none of that happens. Um, in fact... If you rated it today by today's movie standards, this probably could get a PG-13 uh, easily. It's probably, yeah, it's probably true. Um, there's almost no blood. There's very, very little blood. And there are scenes of, of, like, of absolutely like, oh, God, like horrible violence, but it doesn't actually show the violence. So, for example, there's a scene where a, one woman is skewered on a meat hook with a blood yeah. bucket put under her right. so she can bleed out because Leatherface only knows how to prepare meat. Right. Um, God, that's so terrifying. And that is so horrible. <laughs> but the movie, you like all you see is the hook and then you see the woman and then like as he's putting her, the camera cuts. It cuts right before yeah. the, the hook goes into her. And then you right. just show it shows her holding like a, a shot from the front of her holding the hook behind her. Right. And you see the blood bucket, but you don't see any blood. It when I think about the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, in my head it's it's super graphic. Exactly. Because exactly. I have filled in those blanks. And I'm always like, Oh gosh, that movie, oh I yeah. remember this. Like especially that meat hook scene. Like in my head that's just horrifyingly graphic. And it's not. It's not even it's remotely. Really not. No. Um, my favorite scene is the dinner scene where they're sitting around the table because in the in in, in the one thing that I read about uh, Gunnar Hansen was saying that that was the this part of the uh, movie where he lost it because uh, he was so tired and they had been shooting for twenty six hours at that point straight oh my and it was in gosh. the middle of August in Texas uh, and the, oh it was a it was supposed to be a night shot but it was shot during the day so to make it black they taped up all the windows in this house. With black oh trash gosh. trash bags, what they said that it was about a hundred and thirty degrees inside the house. All the meat and all the food that they put out on the table for the dinner scene was literally rotting there because uh, it had been set out all day. Uh, Gunner was so pissed off because they would not let him clean his uh, uh, costume. Oh my god! Because they were afraid it would change the color, uh, and like most. Horror films in the 70s and 60s were shot in black and white because it was cheaper. This was shot in color. So they're like, we can't risk, you know, the color fading. So he just stank. Oh 
And he said they're sitting there, and the scene calls for the one girl is strapped to a chair, and all the brothers are sitting around, and they're all chanting, kill the bitch, kill the bitch, over and over and over again as their decrepit grandfather is trying to, like, muster the strength to hit her over the head with a hammer. Because that's what he used to do as a living. He used to kill cows with a sledgehammer. This movie. And he said, Gunnar Hansen's sitting there, and he goes, and that's when I lost it, and I was so angry and so tired that I forgot that I was playing a character, and I was legitimately wanting them to kill her <laughs> and he said and when they called cut we kept chanting and they had to they had toby ever had to like come in and be like all right guys seriously stop and that's really like all right we're calling break yeah because they they just lost it oh my god um the one girl said she was so terrified of like gunner and uh, the rest yeah of obviously there's a scene where like her... That, that's, like, how do you, li- like, go and live your life after that? Oh, exactly. There, there, There's a scene. This is, again, just, like, really just shows, the, like, just how crazy this was done. There's a scene where there was supposed to be a close-up of them cutting her thumb, and they couldn't get the fake blood to work right. Oh. And so Gunner just yelled, or not, I don't know if it was Gunner, or I forget who does the cutting. Somebody just yelled, all right, action, and then cuts her thumb, literally just cuts her thumb. And oh she screams gosh. and freaks out because she didn't know it was coming. And they're like, there, done. Holy <laughs> crap. Like, it's like, yeah, like, that is the way to do it. But you can't You can't do that. Do that. <laughs> you absolutely just can't do that. So that is, that is, oh, yeah. Go out, find. And that's why I was so upset when they've done the reboot uh, of Texas. Because they didn't even get it close to the right, same level right. uh, that, that the original one has. I will say Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is good for entirely different reasons. Um, so you might want to go check that out, too. It's also directed by Toby Hooper, starring Dennis Hopper in flat-out I Am Crazy Dennis Hopper. <laughs> um, and it's kind of a comedy? Yeah, uh, like, wait, it's a is, horror comedy? Wait, is, that, is, is that... It was 1980... Maybe 79, maybe 81. I'm, I'm trying to think if it's the one that I... Yes. Okay. I think this is the one that. Yeah, I love this one. Oh, it's as great! Well. It's great. Yeah, it's super fun. It's very similar to like Evil Dead too. Yes. The fact that it's a combination of like you know sort of scary stuff and then also like just, just ridiculous, just hilarious. That nonsense. scene, that scene where Dennis Hopper buys the two chainsaws to go get revenge for the death of his, I guess his, <laughs> his daughter or whatever. And he's out there. He's like, oh, I got some wood stacked up out back. You can test them. So he grabs two chainsaws, and instead of using them like chainsaws, he just starts hacking at the wood and screaming. I'm like, that's great. I love that shot. Well, all right. That is my list. Like I said, in no particular order, except the last one, which is one of my favorites. Let's deal with it. Um, Now, next episode, we're going to have a list presented by uh, Parker. Which I can't wait for because it's going to be a ton of feelings. I know it's just going <laughs> to so be many so much feel. So uh, that'll be next week. And I believe we're going to have Matt do a, uh, a list as well. Uh, and then uh, the, the last episode, I believe, is going to be uh, a combination of our top five. Like, we're going to do uh, two lists of top yeah. five. Yeah. So. so Okay. Well, we'll see you next time. Yep. See you next time.